Hi folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast, number 14, series 2. Um, we've got Adam Lodsby on today, Enhanced Sports Performance, you might know him as. Um, Adam works with athletes of all kind of levels, he works with different sports, but uh, majorly combat sports. Um, Adam, someone that I've, I've followed for quite a long time in the industry, um, stalking him over Instagram for, for quite a number of years now, um, and he's he's really leveled up over the past couple of years and it's been, um, it's been really good to watch. And I've, I must admit, I've learned a lot of stuff um, just essentially just from watching your Instagram. Um, someone I definitely look up to in the industry um, and yeah, top guy. Decent intro. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate that, mate. That was a good, that was a good intro. I like that. That was good. All good, mate. Um, so mate, let's just do a, a wee kind of just an intro from you. Like, where are you from? Um, and essentially, how did you get into the how did you get into the PT strength and conditioning scene? So basically, I, so I opened up my gym in Hand Sports Performance Centre only maybe about six months ago or so. But I was a, a strength and conditioning coach for about three years before that. Uh, so I've not been there too long. It's not like I've got decades of experience in it. Um, before that, I was I was working in the jail, so it's a bit of a, a different job. From that, certainly a lot, a lot less stressful this job than working in the jail. But yeah, I was doing doing prison officer work for about four years. Then I moved over and did uh, a lot of strength and conditioning. And this is this is what I do today. Yeah. So, like, are you someone that has done kind of? Have you done what have you done before in the past? Have you been a boxer, mixed martial artist, or is that something you kind of just picked up from strength and conditioning? So I've done um, a lot of jiu-jitsu, a fair bit of MMA in my past. I've been doing that on and off for about 10 years. So that's kind of always been a passion, to be honest. And that's always like my number one sport is MMA. That's what I enjoy the most. And obviously, I like my boxing as well. I've not done too much of that, but I do like my boxing. So that has helped me uh, train my combat athletes a lot. I feel like you get a lot of buy-in when they know you've at least done a bit so you know what you're talking about a little bit you know what I mean so that has helped me certainly um, but yeah that's it. the reason I, the kind of way I got started was my brother was um, one of the coaches at the local club Skyax and he basically just asked me can you come in and just show uh, some of the guys just the basic lifts because so, I'd always been to the gym and stuff so and it was just dead basic. It was just like show them the bench press, deadlift and squat, the big three. And I did that. And then he asked me to do a program. And I, I didn't have an absolute scooby of what to do. So it was like, it was the worst program you've ever seen in your life. Bicep curls, the lot, you know what I mean? It was terrible. Uh, but I enjoyed doing it. So after that, I kind of learned more about it. And then I really just enjoyed the process of learning about it. And I'd never had that in my life before. I'd always kind of done the bare minimum to get by. Uh, just, just passing exams and just not really reading what I was supposed to be reading. But with this, I was I was all in and I was coming home from the prison officer work and, and just looking on YouTube, looking through books constantly. I just realised that I was really enjoying it. And that's when I kind of made the decision, you know what, I might actually have a go at this. So I contacted my brother and basically just asked him, would these guys be wanting like weekly sessions? And he said, yeah. So that was that. One thing led to another and kind of snowballed from there. I got... Got uh, Paul Keane from Dundee, who's quite a well-known boxer in the area, fighting for a continental title soon in Dundee. So got him, got Scott Malone, uh, who's well-known in the Dundee for MMA, fights on Cage Warriors. And then, yeah, just snowballed after that, just got more and more people. And that was that. Yeah, that's, um, 
as I, as I said, like I've probably been watching your content since I was in since I was in uni, and you have just kind of like as it seems to have just picked up a lot of kind of a lot of traction. And I actually noticed the other day you've got a good ten thousand followers on Instagram now, so um, there must be a lot of people coming to coming to watch your content. And it's as I said before, like it's all. Um, you cannot you can learn from it visually like the the videos that you put up as well i think it's it's good because coaches can learn as well as athletes so it's not just like it's not just applicable to like joe blogs and someone that wants to kind of start training in the gym like i can actually pick up stuff from that as well and i have um along the years so yeah um when did you feel like it was a little bit like of a, a leap of faith to to step into the to the snc kind of personal training spot or did you just kind of go like Right, this is exactly what I want to do, and I'm just going to make it work. Nah, it's always a bit scary. Like, um, a partner had recently just went self-employed as well, and then I was wanting to go self-employed. So, like, the householders went from two very secure incomes. Like, I'm never going to lose my job as a prison officer. There's always going to be prisoners needing, you know what I mean? So, I went from that situation to a very unsecure job and initially not making much money at all. So it was a bit worrying, um, but like you, you've got to do these things in life, otherwise you're always going to wonder what if. So I just thought, let's just go for it and see what happens. And fortunately, it's, it's paid off. Yeah, I think you do definitely need to go kind of um, all in when you're going into a job like this, or else it will just kind of, it will just be a hobby. It will just be that part-time kind of thing. Um, you, you definitely need to go balls deep into something like this to make it work. <clears throat> Um, but yeah, Definitely, so right. something that a lot of my audience are, well, a lot of my audience are essentially footballers, team sports players. So that was something I really wanted to dive into because I know you work with a, a lot of kind of footballers of, again, pretty high level. Um, I know that you're working with a guy um, that plays for Cove, worked with Simon Murray in the past. Um, so again, that's something that caught my eye. So what would you say? So when you get a footballer come into you, um, what would you say are the main things they, first of all, need to work on um, in terms of physical qualities? So nine times out of ten, like obviously it's going to depend who you've got coming in. Like if you've got Traore walking through the door, and he's probably not going to be deficient in strength. But mostly they're deficient in maximal strength. You're going to find that like the guys have trained like Leighton, Leighton McIntosh from Cove, Simon Murray, Cami Kerr, and uh, Finley Robertson. They've all been pretty much the same in the sense that they're fit and they're very fast. Speed usually, that speed isn't usually an issue. What's the issue is the development of maximal strength. So, and it's a lot of times because one, they don't have it left, or two, they are scared to go that heavy. Yeah. And there's like a kind of misconception that they're just going to get injured when you go that heavy. Or maybe they're thinking that's still that old school mentality where it's going to make me slow. Um, it could be a combination of the two, but that's what I usually find that the issues are. As well as, like, I try and look at the sport as a whole and be like, right, okay, where are the injuries in this sport? Well, nine times out of ten, it's going to be knees, groins, hamstrings. That's where your injuries are going to be in football. You're not going to have too many concussions, or certainly in comparison to MMA and boxing, you're not going to, you're not going to have too many upper body injuries, really. Um, so that's where you want to spend your time and that's where I spend my time with my guys doing things like Copenhagen's, Nordic Curls, all this kind of thing to make sure that they're uh, healthy, essentially. There's no point getting them maximal strong with their maximal strength up and then they're injured. So that's what we try to concentrate on. Yeah, definitely. That's I've found that as well with working with 
especially with like I've, I work with a lot of like junior players, like amateur players and stuff like that. And their idea of pre-season will always be let's go and pound the pavements for for the next two months and just get aerobically fit, which place for it. But it's just like let's just go in the gym and just genuinely learn the basics. Just go and learn how to just lift 20 kilograms heavier on a on a squat or a deadlift whatever it could be the most kind of basic program in the world but it's it's going to be a benefit to them if they just learn how to lift mm-hmm. and just lift a bit heavier yeah. and they're going to set that base for the for the next season and majority of guys that come in they're just like they'll walk onto the pitch next season and less injuries feel stronger feel faster it's just it's just mm-hmm. such a i think it's there's a lot more awareness around it now and you'll probably have noticed that um people are more willing i think <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there's there's certainly are more willing to do it now. It's, it's it's getting away from that. At least I hope so. Like Cami Kerr when he came in, he was one who would be endlessly pounding the pavements and doing long, long runs. And there's a point of diminishing t- returns. Like football is like an explosive sport. At the end of the day, okay, it lasts for ninety minutes, but it's explosive. It's an explosive yeah. ninety minutes. So what he was doing, he was kind of almost turning himself into a marathon runner. He was just doing very steady state long runs and like name an explosive marathon runner there's not one uh-huh. so that's what you're turning yourself into and that's not really what you want to be doing so you need a blend of the two explosive work and long steady state work um but when you're that fit like cami carries you you need a lot less steady state stuff yeah yeah definitely agree that's um that's certainly what i found so another kind of thing that i was wanting to talk to you about in regards to to footballers is there's a lot of confusion about this with people that come in it's like how the hell do I train in season because everyone's so scared of being too fatigued walking into the next training session or being f- fatigued walking into a Saturday and I, look it's something I've I've had to deal with in the past before being slightly um, misinformed with my training I'm squatting heavy on a Thursday night and wondering why I can't fucking lift my leg on a Saturday um, what would you say about that? <laughs> so I just I do the really basic have them two sessions a week when they're in season and it'll be their heavy session on a Tuesday, their speed session on a Thursday. The speed session isn't going to take that much out of them to the point where they're feel, feeling fatigued on the Saturday. Um, and then if you're talking about nutrition and stuff, you make sure that you're always eating quite a lot on that Tuesday session to kind of promote that recovery. Um, and that's the way I do it with my guys. In season, they'll not do too much conditioning work because it gets taken care of by the training and the games. Now, if I'm not, if I say they're on the bench, then maybe you want to throw in one more run for them. Because um, so that's obviously a, a lot of kind of sprinting that they're missing out on. But in season, that's basically about it. two sessions a week, one heavy, one light. So you got to do. Yeah, that's. I, can, I, I see it always going one of two ways. Like it either goes the way where they're scared to train at all in the gym. Or they've got like a bro split all week long and they're just absolutely training to failure every set. And it's it's hard to find a, a happy medium for people. Um because yeah, they're always one extreme. They want to do too much or they don't want to do anything. Um so I think it's really good to get that information across um to to football players. Um so moving into something that I essentially have no knowledge apart from possibly staying up till about four AM to watch it in a gaff on the weekend um, and it's mixed martial arts it's boxing um, UFC so how did how did the opportunity come about to I know you kind of talked about Paul Keane um, but how did the opportunity come about to, to work with Paul Craig 
So he was actually one that was kind of similar in the sense of Takami Kerr, where he posted up his 5K time, and he's like he's 100 kilograms. He walks around that year round, and he's he was doing his 5K in around about was it 18 minutes, something like that. Like it was good going. It was a, it was a fair fair whack, you know what I mean, for that, a guy that big who's not a runner. Um, and I just messaged him, just said, look, that was a really good time. Uh, and he said, oh, thanks. I want to get, uh, I think it was one like 1730 or he was one sub 18 or something. I was like, to be honest, you might want to just keep it there and concentrate on uh, repeated sprintability work, kind of power work, anaerobic work uh, to kind of up that power. <clears throat> so we went back and forth and talked about it a little bit. And he said, look, can I come in for a session? Uh, and it just kind of went from there. He came in for one session. I didn't really know what he wanted to do. I didn't know whether he wanted us to work with me or just kind of pick my brain about stuff. Because when you're in the UFC, you are kind of given strength and conditioning by the UFC Performance Institute in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's one in Shanghai as well. But he was getting one from the one in Vegas. And like, you're talking about the top tier elite of the elite strength and conditioning there. You know what I mean? So the program we got was, there was nothing wrong with the program. Like, I didn't have to touch the program really. Yeah. Um, but, it's never good not having someone there, especially when you're talking about guys at that higher level. Like remote training is good and it's better than nothing. It definitely is. And unless you are the elite of the elite, you can get away with remote training, don't get me wrong. But when you're someone who's at the pinnacle of the sport, like Paul is, he needs everything on point. And to get him where he needed to be, he needed to be lifting very, very heavy. So, because that was when he was weak, essentially. So, he needed to make sure that he was doing it correctly. His technique was on point. He wasn't going to get hurt. So I kind of changed the program around so he could do these kind of heavy lifts. And uh, yeah, he just kind of went from there. And I've had him for, I think, three fights, two fights now. He's got a fight coming up in March. Uh, he's number one, ranked number 11 in the world. And he's, he's smashing it. So his next fight will get him, break him into the top 10. You're talking maybe two more fights and he'll be fighting or they'll be fighting for a title or certainly in contention for fighting for a title so he's doing absolutely superb but yeah that's how it came about just through Instagram and that's something that I say to a lot of coaches that are starting out don't be afraid to message people just but if they ignore you or rub you it doesn't who cares it doesn't matter it doesn't cost you anything like your yeah. ego might be hurt a little bit but that's about it just message them, see what happens so that's what I did yeah 100%. I've taken the same approach for this podcast as well like I've just messaged everyone under the sun and just hope for a reply like as you say some people goes into their request box and you'll never hear back from them but other people kind of you get a surprise sometimes and people be like yeah why not um yeah and with paul as well who is it that he's he's lined up to fight in match this uh, russian guy i think he is nikita krylov so he's ranked right, number okay. seven in the world they were talking about alistan uh, alexander gustafsson but he didn't want to fight so nikita yeah, right, krylov but See when you're when you're fighting the top ten, it's not going to be easy. It doesn't really yeah. matter to be honest who you get. They're all going to be absolute monsters. They're going to be scary guys, yeah. uh, and you don't want to get hit in the face by them. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, hundred percent. And even just from watching Paul's videos and that, like the guy, <laughs> he goes hard. Um, but obviously, he stays. He's at the top of his game. Um, but you can see the intent that he he puts into his training sessions. There, especially on that air bike, man. He guy goes like fuck. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, he's very, very fit. Like, he was demonstrating a leg kick to me. And he was just showing me dead nicely, just tapping my leg. And, oh, my God, I had a dead leg for about two days. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's certainly a big boy. Um, so, like, 
I noticed like another thing on your Instagram, um, the young guy, Sam Hickey, he's down training with, uh, is it the GB team? Yeah, so he's um, he's an absolutely unbelievable talent out of Dundee who's, who's just got onto the podium squad. So it's like the top squad you can be on uh, in, in Great Britain. It's like there's yeah. a de- development squad and there's another squad and there's the podium squad. So he's on that. So he'll be going to the Commonwealth Games. Um, I think it's in June roughly around that time and hopefully we'll get him to we'll get him to the Olympics so it's a hard ask to get to the Olympics mm-hmm. there's only one person that you're waiting in the whole of the UK that goes but if anyone can do it Sam can definitely do it he's, he's, he's doing everything right and that, that kind of training down there is super super intense they're three times a day but it'll take him to the next level certainly unreal unreal um, so like another question I wanted to ask you just from a kind of a dummy's guide to, to mixed martial arts was um well, are all combat combat athletes are they are they all willing to do the strength and conditioning work, or is there some that are still just attached to being in the ring constantly? Do you ever find that? So it varies on which combat sport it is. I find yep. mixed martial arts are more willing. It's a newer sport. It's kind of grown up with S and C, so they are very into strength work, strength training and stuff like that, and conditioning. Uh, boxing, not so much. It's a very old sport, very old school-minded trainers there. Um, so that has been a little bit more of a struggle. But as time passes, they start to realise they need to be doing strength conditioning. And then finally, you've got like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and that they're probably the least likely to get into it because there's a whole ethos and kind of idea in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that strength is a negative. You shouldn't have to use strength to beat your opponent. You should use technique. So that's strength has always been looked down upon in a BJJ. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to change that, but it's tough. Yeah, I can see how there would be that kind of narrative that getting strong and big and stiff wouldn't be beneficial for that sport. But it's it's obviously the contrary. Yeah, I've I've been weak and done jujitsu, and I've been strong and done jujitsu, and it certainly helps being strong and doing jujitsu. Definitely. Yeah. I think we definitely see that in football as well. Just like I remember, like kind of growing up, like boys' club and stuff like that. There was not one bit of interest in in SNC or going to the gym. But now, like when I'm getting these guys coming through the door, like 15, 16 year olds, like they're they're right into it and they're like, oh, "I've been doing this with my team already." Like I definitely see it at Dundee and Dundee United. They've they've been good for it. I am um, over the past couple of years. They're pushing their guys yeah. um, into the, into SNC now. Whereas five, six years ago, it was kind of unheard of. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a change and hopefully that continues to change. Um, <clears throat> but it's just it's just going to take a bit of time. Um, you're going to start seeing it more and more often. I feel like it's certainly since we've been coming through, it's, it's, S&C's definitely got bigger. I don't know if it's just because we're in it, so we're seeing more of it. Um, but it feels like it's a lot bigger. You're hearing a lot more about it. But there's still... The, there's still things that need to be worked on like I feel like everyone should have a strength conditioning coach everyone should have a nutritionist everyone should have a mindset coach and everyone should obviously have a skills coach um, and you need to really need to nailing down those kind of four pillars there and that's what I think all athletes should do regardless of their sport because like mindset training isn't really done uh, especially not in football I don't know many people who are footballers who are doing mindset work um, the strength conditioning is getting there like you say with Dundee United and stuff they're doing really good work um, nutrition is usually okay at the higher levels of football 
I've found it's not the best at the lower levels of football. Um, but there just needs to be a little bit of education about the, those kind of things, I think. Yeah, certainly. That's kind of what I'm trying to offer within like the, the online coaching that I'm doing and with the with the one-to-one coaching I'm doing, like trying to bring that all together as one. And then just like essentially what I'm doing with this podcast, just like bringing on specialists and within the group, like bringing on people to do like uh, Zoom calls um, so that can kind of just bring that all together at once because like I'm no mindset expert on mm-hmm. Not a, not a nutritionist expert either. I am so kind of want to bring all these people into the one place and just give everyone the the best kind of service they can get. And funnily enough, they all if they're able to buy into all this stuff, they become better footballers, they become better boxers, they become better rugby players, whatever it is. Yep, one hundred percent. Something that I had a lot of questions on um, from kind of athletes was, and I've heard you speak about it before, was was deloading. So there is a little bit of an obsession with people that I speak to and they're like, right, okay, week five deload or week six deload. And it's programmed in to a 12 week program. Um, I kind of know what your stance on this is already, but um, I'd like to kind of hear it, hear it from you. Yeah. So I, I think that's a lot of shit to be honest. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the reason is not that deloads are rubbish. Don't get me wrong. Um, I don't believe in the set structure of four week deload, five week deload. The reason for that is deload is you should need a deload based on like basically how you're recovering, how everything's going. But things like stress in your personal life can affect that. So if you're not getting sleep, if you're getting stressed out at work or stressed out with a missus or whatever it may be, that might mean that you need a deload week earlier. Likewise, if everything's going great, you're nailing your nutrition, you're nailing your sleep, you've not had a fight with a missus, then you won't need a deload. So that's why I don't really go by like four, a four week deload or five week, whatever it may be. I kind of just go by HRV, and that's how I that's how I do it. I'll talk to my guys how they're feeling. I'll check check their HRV. So that's for that's heart rate variability for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, and you'll see heart rate variability more and more on all the kind of trackers you've got now. So like the Aura Ring is a really good one. Whoop Band, um, the Apple Watch has got it. All these trackers are now starting to use HRV and are now starting to promote HRV a lot more because it's the gold standard. At least I think it's the gold standard for trying to see how recovered you are. Yeah. These um these watches are definitely leveled up over the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah, they're unbelievable. They're so good. And another thing I'd say is sometimes you don't need a week. Like that's another thing that people kind of set in stone that a deload is a deload week. It doesn't need to be a deload week. It could be a deload two days. It could be a deload three yeah. days, and then you'll find your HRV's back up and you're ready to go again. Why are you wasting another four days doing another deload when you're ready to go? Yeah, that's certainly right. I was even speaking to someone in the gym earlier on this week, and <laughs> they were just, just having a conversation. They were just like, I just deload week this week. Um, and I just kind of wanted to like pick it apart a little bit and just ask them, uh, like, how are you feeling and stuff like that? And he's like, I'm fine. I, I, wish I, could. I wish I could just ramp it up just now. And I was like, you maybe need to have a look at that program because it was just like one of these ones that have been thrown at and there's 12 weeks, like just follow this for 12 weeks with no consideration as to all the variables that will come into those 12 weeks. Um, like you yeah. kind of just talked about. Um, something else I kind of wanted to throw in there was, um, I know that you had that injury a couple, well, it was probably one a couple of months back um, with your pec. Like how was, how was that? Like how long did that take to recover from? And how was that kind of, how did you, how did you deal with that? 
So, yeah, Paul Craig decided to armbar me and, and snap my arm or snap my pick. So I was fortunate that it never snapped off the bone. If it snapped off the bone, then I would be needing surgery. Um, but I was certainly like a grade two pick tear, so I had all the bruising down my arm and all this, the bruising my chest. So it was, a, it was a good while. It was a good while. What I've found is I've managed to rehab my pec quite well. My shoulder's still, like my rotator cuff must have got damaged in it as well, so my rotator cuff's still a bit of an issue, but I'm working on that. But you kind of got to look at these things as, as opportunities. Like, I didn't know anything about pec tears. I'd never, I'd never experienced a pec tear. I'd never had anyone come to me who had a pec tear. So... When I tore my pec, I was like, right, I'm just going to learn everything about pec tears. It's the same kind of thing I did with Simon Murray when he came to me with his ACL rehab. To be honest, I knew a little bit about ACL rehab because it always kind of fascinated me because it's one of the most kind of destructive things you can kind of do to your body in terms yeah. of athletic performance. Um, but I just went and learned everything I could. So I'm kind of comfortable with ACL rehab. I'm now comfortable with pec rehab because I've put myself through it. And uh, yeah, the, the, the rehab itself went actually quite well. I got a few... There's a very, very good physio, probably the best in Scotland, called Stuart Barton from Anstruther. He's unbelievable. And uh, he was very complimentary of my my rehab and how it was going. So I was very happy with that. Good. Um, it was actually quite funny you said that because my very first two clients as a personal trainer both came in with just having ACL reconstruction and me having went to uni doing strength and condition had no clue about ACL. So the, the guy that owned the gym was like, you'll be able to do that. I was like, well, uh. so my two first <laughs> clients were actually ACL rehab. I, again, being naive, I maybe should have passed them on to somewhere else. But like you said, it made me then go and learn exactly how to do it. Um, and to be fair, they're, they're both in action now. So, they're, so I must have done something right. <laughs> um, yep. But yeah, so you know, <clears throat> moving into the future, what would you, what would you say is, is in the pipeline for, for the business, for yourself, for your athletes? So hopefully we can get a few boys a few titles this year. Paul Keane's got a very big fight, like I was saying, up in Dundee, in the Caird Hall, which is a big venue in Dundee. So he's fighting for IBF Continental or Intercontinental. Uh, so hopefully get him that. I want to see Paul Craig fight for the title or be round about that by the end of the year. And there's a few boys like Scott Malone that uh, I want to be fighting for a title by the end of the year as well. So that's the kind of plan in terms of my athletes and obviously getting Sam Hickey to the Commonwealth Games, that would be a huge benefit um, to, to himself and to my team. And in terms of like business-wise going forward, I just want Enhanced Sports Performance Centre to be up and running, everything there. I want it to be one of the best facilities in Dundee for uh, strength and conditioning. I don't want it to be just like a commercial gym. Um, I want to have specific equipment or specialised equipment even um, in there. And yeah, just, just have it up and running, start doing classes with the guys in there and just have a good little community out at Enhanced Sports Performance Centre. That's pretty much it, mate. That's pretty much it. I just want to make a success of that. That's all I've got going on. Yeah, it definitely looks like it's it's going in the right direction anyway, mate. Um, I'll, I'll be keeping a close eye on it. So last kind of section of the podcast, um, call it quick fire if you want. So I've got a good eight questions here. And they're all pretty simple. So, favourite exercise for strength and conditioning? Push, pull, lower body. Trap bar deadlift. Trap bar deadlift. Okay, yeah, love it. You want one for each? Or you want yeah, one go, for each? Go, or you just go want up, one in general? Go up, push, pull and lower. Okay, push. 
Bench press. It's got to be bench press. Pull, uh, trap bar deadlift. Uh, um, technically, that could be lower body as well. And then lower body Nordic curl. Nice. Cool. Favourite holiday destination? Cancun. Love Cancun. that. Unbelievable. Unreal. Need to go. Um, one to watch up and coming in the UFC. In the UFC? I've got to say Paul Craig. Can't say anyone else. Yeah. Um, right, this one's maybe going to ruffle a few feathers. Um, favourite athlete you've ever worked with? Um, favourite athlete? It's hard because like a lot of them are like my mates, like Sam, yeah, he's my mate, Paul Keane's my mate, like, all these boys are my pals, you know what I mean? But um, you know what? But I'm going to have to say Paul Craig again because he's so easy to work because... Yeah. He'll come in half an hour early. He'll do his warm up. He'll do his mobility. I know his training's going to be on point. I know his eating's going to be on point. So it's, it's dead easy for me. So, in terms of easiness, Paul Craig. Even after he almost ripped your peck off. Love that. <laughs> That's right. yeah. um, conditioning, would you use airbike or ski air prefer- uh, preference? Airbike. Airbike. And. What was the last one? Podcast recommendation or audio book, whatever you want to call it, book? Uh, I'm trying to think. Obviously, I'm going to say Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan, uh, you've got Mark, is it Mark Bell? Yeah, Mark Bell's podcast. He's got a good one. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Goggins' book's insane. Yeah. You've got to listen to that. Uh, he's, just, he's, he's just mental. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are ones I kind of listen to a lot of. I like I like a lot of them. And then Phil Drew, if you want to get into strength and conditioning specifically, Phil Drew's podcast is really good. It's got a lot of good stuff on it. Quality. Um, yeah, that's just fired through, fired through everything, mate. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on, jumping on the podcast. Um, I'll have to get up to your to your gym at some point. It's uh, it's looking like it's taking shape now, anyway. Yeah, mate. You're welcome. Welcome anytime, bro. Any welcome anytime. Appreciate that, Adam. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. I'll catch you in a bit.